Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Legion 99 podcast, your source for the latest tactics, news, battle reports, hobby talk, and general Legion chatter. Welcome back, everyone, to the Legion 99 podcast. We're here with Mike, Keegan, and myself, Nick, and this is episode 20. How is everyone doing? doing pretty well i can't believe we've made it to 20 episodes and this is the first time we're gonna record nighttime wise it's wild yeah well we're late too we're like a day late sorry everybody thank you. Uh, yes, father's day weekend. yeah thank you to both of you for uh, facilitating my father's day plans uh but so we, we didn't record on the weekend well we missed you the last couple episodes i think so yeah, yeah no, <laughs> plus one of the three of us has to have some sort of responsibility <laughs> i had a lot of responsibility yeah, recently yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick just dumped all those responsibilities uh, so. we so uh we just got back sort like a week ago from Atlantic City Open. Um, that's a thing that happened, and it went pretty well. Uh, it did. I obviously uh, got to do the TOing and a lot of the judging. Um, I did have a lot of help judging from Mike here, and uh, shout out to Ryan from the Stabcast who came down, who came up from Tennessee, drove like uh, a lot of hours, a lot more hours than I like to drive, <laughs> um, and he helped me judge. Um, also, uh, shout out to uh, Kyle Dornboss from um, Notorious Scoundrels for helping judge too. He stepped in on um, a crowded, a packed, <laughs> reluctantly, <laughs> a packed Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it went really well. We did not have as many judge calls as I thought we might. No, uh, it was actually rather nice. Everybody was yeah. pretty relaxed. It was great. Yeah, except we they the way the hall was set up, they decided to set up a set us all up basically we had like a single row of tables and uh it was great that there was basically room to walk around every table like uh six feet of room actually yeah <laughs> ton of space but uh man it was a hike walking from <laughs> one end to the other uh, yeah how many... I, I did i did 12.7 miles on saturday judging yeah, which probably means i did about uh double that 30, <laughs> 30 oh, wow. all weekend <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy I was going to compare it to LVO 2020, but the, you, those numbers just blow ours away. I think I had a conservative yeah. five miles on my biggest day, uh, and I was I was impressed by Zach Barry running around like a rabbit to get seven or eight. Uh, but yeah, you guys so just crushed it there. Do you you know what obviously what LVO looked like when we were out there last last year? Um, so our single table, if you were at LVO 2020, was our single row was basically the length of the LVO ballroom, but we only had one to one and a half judges for a lot of the time so oh. you had to go to all of the tables so you, we couldn't split it up like vegas gotcha yep <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> i was then, i was i was lucky that i did have a judge with me each day so it made it a, a lot easier to manage and quick disclaimer if you'll notice by the names um the two judges got top four and one of the judges <laughs> ended up winning it so i swear it wasn't rigged <laughs> we just recruited good talent yeah. yeah. And it was in Atlantic City, so if it was rigged, it was kind of expected. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of shitty there. The house always wins. Um anyway, Almost yeah, did. we had a we had a great time. Um setting up the tables was uh also I probably also walked like ten miles setting up the tables because I didn't do it any sort of intelligent way. <laughs> Kept walking <laughs> back and forth, up and down, up and down. But uh yeah, so uh we got a lot of compliments on the tables there. Um Everybody seemed to have a good time. A few of them, there were a little, I think, complaints that they were a little too open, I guess. 
um, which is fine. We're going to work on that. I've already started like planning what I'm doing to fix them. You can yeah. ask Mike. <laughs> and how, many, how many tables did you run again? Uh, I had 13. Mike yeah. brought one and uh, Ryan brought a couple. We used one of Ryan's. Uh, there should be pictures up. Yeah, they are all over Facebook. Everywhere. I've, yeah, another ton of pictures. I, I, Except, I, yeah. I, I push that just to say that in, you know, in a tournament with 15 plus tables, I think having a couple of open ones is like, actually healthy for, for the randomness factor. I agree. Yeah. Same. Because um, there's a couple that were arguably too dense. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have that variety in things. I, I think it's one of the things I like the most about Legion as compared to some of the games that I haven't actually played, but I've viewed from a distance where it's, mm-hmm. it's these very stock templated uh, table layouts that mm-hmm. aesthetically might look different, but structurally all run the same. I really yeah. like, um, I mean, we, we have an entire show dedicated to it. I really like the aspect of having to analyze the table in short notice uh, and, and understand now, its strengths and weaknesses. And now you have, all those tables for our upcoming turn zeros. That's right. You won't need a fresh, <laughs> won't need a fresh table until 2023. <laughs> I have I have a Discord thread with you that I've left marked unread because I have not ha- just had the mental bandwidth to copy paste and organize all those. Yeah, episodes, a, but we, we have a fantastic I capture. <laughs> I just dumped them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I got a lot. I got a lot of uh, compliments on the tables. I'm yeah. very happy with how the event went. Uh, the prize support was awesome. Six up helped us a lot with that. I still have a pile of silhouettes. <laughs> <laughs> I now get to, I, I can basically rock a blue silhouette every time I need a new one. Every time I need a silhouette check, <laughs> there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more Legion baller than, uh, taking a silhouette out of its Ziploc bag and just throwing the old one away. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you need a silhouette <laughs> check here. <laughs> you like pleb. a business card. <laughs> um, We'll have to do an American Psycho like skit. <laughs> That's pretty, yes, there is absolutely um, a, a a play on that with the various silhouette options yeah. out there. <laughs> Not to get too much into like the meta of the event, but it was also oh, awesome oh I'm going to talk about the meta, don't of worry. course, and I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you lead that conversation because <laughs> I was too busy running around in circles to remember the meta, but I do remember the top four. It was awesome to see two different force users and then uh, only one Rex gunline made top four and then a double AAT. So it was like a lot. There's list variety there. Nice. Uh, it was really cool to see like four very different lists in top four. Um, obviously, very skilled players in the top four as well. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of proof there that the open tables weren't too open because I know both Kyle and Ryan, who had the Jedi users respectively, um, both played on one of those tables and obviously they made it that far yep um but there was a there was a whole lot of rexes there i remember uh <laughs> yes we had um nine rex players um and if we had taken the cut as is uh based on the actual standings we would have had five rexes in the top eight wow yeah, but there were people had to people, drop and such. So yeah, a few people wanted to just gamble Saturday night <laughs> and didn't want to have to wake up and play. They realized that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, there were some <laughs> drops. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, it was. I mean, seeing seeing like Legion on tables again, like all like you know a lot of tables at once is awesome. Um, it was like. I got to take so many pictures. I got to meet so many like new faces, new people, like all my new friends in the from the internet that I finally got to hang out with in real life. 
Um, yeah, it was I, great. I was super jealous watching the uh, the pictures and the updates well, and everything. You'll from, have to you'll have to come next year for ACO 2.0. I hope so. I look forward to it. I, I, I hear we might know the guy who's going to re- organize that again. Oh, huh? He's crazy. Is he on this cast? <laughs> Do I know him? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've already started talking about ACO next year. That's so awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. Um, but before that, there's a lot more. We have a lot of time. There are, I have yeah. more than I have more than four months to plan this event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's going to help. But uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but before that, we've got uh, LSOs coming up. Mm-hmm. It um, is. I'm actually going to that now. Yep. Woo-hoo. I was going to just let you take that over, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to bring a list down with me and I have a ticket to play, but I'm actually going to be streaming the event with David from the, uh, from Yavin base. Endless. Yay. I look forward so to watching So we haven't had games. some, we haven't had streaming in a while, so I'm excited for that. So I'm going to assist there instead of playing and, uh, hopefully get some high quality entertainment out into the airwaves. Nope, it's going to be in to. Dallas. It's the end of July. It'll be the fourth weekend. Um, by the time that this goes out tomorrow, because I'm going to stay up a little bit later to <laughs> get this out, nice. um, there's approximately four spots left. So if you do want to come, you're running out of time to get the ticket. They are capped in the 50s just due to space constraints. It's also like challenging to get like logistically to get all of this stuff together. I now realize like what a job it LVO <laughs> probably was. <laughs> Respect. Yes, it helps to have a team uh, instead of just Nick running in circles in the middle of his quarantine. Yeah. Shocking. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, LSO is going to be fun. So if you're coming down to the Lone Star Open in Dallas, um, grab your tickets real soon because there are not a lot left. Yeah. And I can, uh, without going into specifics, I can say that our 6-Ups printers are busy in preparing for that. So. Excellent. <laughs> Which means we know the prize support's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to quickly talk about what happened with ACO for myself, because um, I did get to play in that. Um, I waffled for a while on my list, but I did end up going super boring and taking a, a Rexstar list. That was basically Rex, Clone Commander, three Phase 2s, two Phase 1s, one with 5s, one with DC, and a I bunch mean, of arcs. Somebody, and I did. Somebody's got to be the villain, and uh, we had like 15 of them there. At, well, I was top villain, then. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Uh, yeah. So I ended up uh, going 3-0 and on day one, um, making the cut. Winning my first game in the Rexstar Mirror, and then unfortunately losing turn zero to uh, Luke's double AAT as soon as the cards flipped over. So I did fall in the uh, the top four in the semifinals there to Luke, and uh, that didn't feel so great. Uh, it was actually the first game that I didn't get blue player for. Uh, going into the event, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do for a bid and what I really needed to be worried about, so I ended up taking an eight-point bid with clones thinking that the in-real-life bids were going to be a little bit less than TTS, and ended up getting blue for the first four games. Um, so I do want to quickly touch on some of those games. I don't want to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about them. But I played my first game on this awesome temple table that I know I've talked about in the past because I play on it like every other weekend at Showcase. So I was like, thanks, Nick. Glad you put me there. Really wanted to play on one of these new ones. Um, so I played against <laughs> I played against the Jedi Luke bus list, uh, and it was kind of terrifying to have the bus full of loaded fleets with a scatter gun and an extra guy, and then Luke running in behind it. But luckily, I was able to force hostage exchange, and when he was forced to come with me, I was able to kill the bus in a turn. Um, but that's going to be a that's a legitimate list. 
I'm not sure that single bus Jedi Luke is going to be the play going forward. Um, I think something like a double bus with Wookiees uh, or double fleets, if you, you're a little lower on points, to really just get double down on that safety pierce factor is going to be a little bit more consistent. But uh, that list is terrifying. And I'm looking forward to running a version of it soon because I was also able to grab my mystery machine from Nick. (laughs) Uh, So I was blue there by a couple points. um, And that was huge because as soon as he had to deploy the bus before the rest of my arcs, I was able to safely get them in a spot where I could just crit pierce them turn one. And then when he had to move it at the end of turn one, I was able to fire support with um, a Z6 on the Rex and basically throw like six crits into the bus. So that felt good. Um, and then game two, I played against a double lat list, but it was a double lat gar list. And it was interesting. Um, we ended up playing hostage exchange again <laughs> um, with Rex, and I was able to kind of just shoot down the lats and get my hostage away safely. We played on this really cool Tatooine table that I hadn't actually seen before. It was kind of like the, um, I guess basically like the scene with the giant arches with uh with like obi-wan with the rocks out in the middle of the desert yeah Yeah, there's a couple buildings and some moisture evaporators scattered around for area terrain with some huts but there's a lot of like really tall rocks which were cool because the lats were able to like go on top of them and fly underneath i mean it looked really nice when they when they crashed so (laughs) (laughs) turns out arc snipers and z6s can crit fish well um i never would have guessed that yeah so. Oh man! Shout out to everybody who brought like lats and like did like those quick paint jobs. Like there were so many lats on the tables, it was great. And like I, there were some really cool ones that I got to take some pictures of. That I was yeah, really the, to see. the two that I played. Um, if you have the, if you've seen the Imperial Terrain STL, that's like the bombed out hut, like the desert hut that has the door mm-hmm. open and it's like broken essentially. Yep. He actually put that STL on his bases. So the lat was inside of like a broken hut and there was yeah. like down tie fighter pieces inside of it and like rubble and stuff. And it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that there's pictures of them online because there should be. Oh, there are pictures of them. Okay, good. We'll have to make yeah, sure that they're out there because they look incredible. That was actually one of our um, East Coast guys, Otis Hunter. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we've played each other like three different tournaments now. Every time we travel together, we play. <laughs> So we'll have to put you in a uh, travel group next time. <laughs> <laughs> He's Baltimore, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. That might be suspicious. Uh, <laughs> game three is um, a terrible matchup for me, actually. It was a 12 activation mall triple staps list. But Ooh. it only had a seven point bid <laughs> with triple staps. So it didn't get bombing run. So it didn't get bombing run. It also didn't even get blue player. LOL. <laughs> because I had the eight point bid. So going to the, the DC 15 instead of like the RPS and the extra guy on fives ended up potentially getting me to day two um, <laughs> because we played hostage exchange again. <laughs> um, and it turns out that a B1 that can't get an order turn one when it's a hostage carrier Oof, nice. is really bad because it has to AI attack. Yep. Yeah. And it had to AI attack a clone squad in heavy cover without a name token, and it's naked. <laughs> which means that it's very dead at the start of turn two. Yeah. Because it can't get anywhere. Uh, it also meant that he had to push um, and know that he was going to win on like kill points because he needed to do something being red player and knowing he was losing his unit right away. So he had to deploy his staps a little bit further forward, and I was able to take that clanker's two full staff units off the board turn one. 
Um, so at the start of turn two, it was 10 activations to 10, and it was quickly 10 to 9 when I wiped his B1 with the hostage in one, sco- one go. Um, so I was able to like kind of zone Maul out knowing that I was up on activations. So yeah. bids are important, and blue player is important. And that's, that game kind of nails it down because that's actually a pretty terrible matchup for me with ball and triple staps. What table did you play on that game? We played on that Endor table that is at Showcase occasionally. It'll be um, at Showcase it, tomorrow when ooh, I go okay. and play a game. <laughs> it's got some... Um, it has some of the... I think that has one of the MDF things from Battle Kiwi. Oh, it's got, it's not got a that couple, one. That one's it's got a couple pieces like that, and uh, it's not the one with like the loading bay in the middle. It's the one that's a little more open in the middle, but it's got the really tall redwood trees, and I think it's got like one of the Battle Kiwi STLs with the the tie bomber table. Oh, the well, that's actually a tie advance, sir. There's no MDF on that table. Okay, but whatever. That's the one that I'm bringing to showcase. I need oh, a, okay. Well, that one's yeah. good. Anyway, uh, so I played on that one, uh, which I actually have not played on in real life yet, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I played a Rexstar Mirror um, for my top cut game one, and I was blue player. Uh, which was huge it was an interesting rec star it was so it basically dropped one of the phase twos for padme and had a double rps because he expected a lot of armor i totally get it i think it makes a lot of sense so he also had echo in one of the sniper teams which was a really nice play because he was able to kind of expose him a little more with padme's um you know exemplar stuff Mm. but i was blue player and he banned to hostage this time. So I played four straight games of hostage exchange. <laughs> I traveled to LV. I traveled to ACO to play four games of hostage with three of them having advanced positions and three of them having clear conditions. I basically played the same game four times. It was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so boring. By, by like the end of the second one, I was like, I, I know this is really good for me, but I'm so freaking tired of playing. <laughs> oh, I played, I played Rexstar five times and I played Hostage Exchange four times. <laughs> Three times with advanced positions, Whoa, sir. <laughs> this was no, actually I the one, <laughs> this was actually the one game I didn't get advanced positions, and um it almost cost me because the way that the table was set up, um, Nick, you do this really dumb thing where every time the middle part of the advanced <laughs> positions weird. goes there, so like range six in from the board you always have this giant ass like los blocker so i (laughs) I wasn't able to like start anybody there so i couldn't i couldn't even get if only somebody had helped me set up the tables ahead of time to be uh you have this on Uh, all of your tables uh, anyway all all, all i'm hearing here is that uh the one time rex didn't get the most optimal uh battle card setup he might have had to actually play to win Okay, so I did. And that's exactly what it is. I'm whining because I couldn't use my broken bullshit. <laughs> but anyway, um, I couldn't get, I actually couldn't get Rex to um, range two of his hostage squad without just like leaving him in the open. Or, of, of, sorry, to my squad without just like hanging Rex out to oh, dry. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was unfortunate because in the opponent's Rex star, he was able to hostage his squad backwards. And I was not able to. Luckily, I was blue player and I was able to. Um, safely get him back turn one. So what I did is I used scouting party to kind of pivot everything on um, kind of like 45 degree angles so that I could shift my deployment and, and get into some cover to make sure that I was out of line of sight of his snipers and out of sight of his, um, whatever the clone bombard card is called. I'm blanking on it. The beam. Will. Airstrike. Airstrike. Air support. Air support. Yeah. So I was able to stay nice and hidden for most of that. And um, t- 
turn one with the snipers and air support, I only lost one model, which yeah. which was a win, I think. It, what I was like observing as like I walked back and forth between the four tables, and I will say that I set, <laughs> I did not set up those tables during the cut to help me at all because no, you I did thought, not. <laughs> <laughs> I was still walking all day, but anyway. I did observe that, like, you played very defensively rounds one and two, and he played very offensively rounds one and two. Yeah, so... Uh, and you did not lose a lot of models. Uh, I lost two models that game. Yeah. Um, because what I ended up doing is, turn two, I dropped a one-pip to get my hostage out of there, and I hid every single model that I had behind this giant wall, basically in the bottom right-hand corner, so that he didn't divulge Padme, so he had no secret mission. Um, so when he did that, I knew that he just had to kill more of my guys, and I wasn't going to let that happen. And with two RPSs on his side, I knew I could run away. Yeah. And that's what I did. And it was a really terribly boring game, but I had to win. And yeah, it was I, blue player advantage again. It was really cool seeing like a Padme Rex star, which I think is like really good. Uh, it's, it's underrated, not, I think. It's not as good. Uh, it's not as good in the mirror. Yes. So uh, as I was talking to you like the night before, as I was kind of game planning for that, because uh, you did a really cool thing where you put out the the top cut pairings the night before to like build some online drama. Um, So I knew I was matched up against it. And when I was game planning, that was actually the one Rexstar list I wanted to see, because in a straight gunfight, I have more firepower. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some other ones there that like had echo in a phase two. So I didn't want to be out pierced and outranged. Um, Mm -hmm. So this one, I thought with the double RPS, because I have no armor, I could kind of hang with it. And yeah. that, that proved to be the case. Um, and then game four or game five, I played Luke Cook. Um, we played in like season two of Invader League <laughs> back in the day um, for our first game. I, I played like double Death Trooper against his double bounty. And I've been able to gloat that win over him for the last like two years. But unfortunately, he took even our series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... Um, and that game was unfortunate because as soon as the battle cards flipped over, I lost the table or I lost the game. Um, I either had the choice of playing Long March Vaps, or I had a choice of playing um, Key Positions, and either Long March or Rollout. Unfortunately for me, there was two Doomsday scenarios, because his AATs were able to fully cover the middle KP with either with a single one of them. So I couldn't play KP knowing that turn six, he could just move forward and displace my guys and fully cover it. And I would have had to kill two AATs on turns five and six, which just wasn't going to happen with Luke's worker droids. Or I could try to play VAPs, um, tag my VAPs early. And I did have a long march angle that I could kind of like push down the left side and like maybe get lucky and kill a unit early and like run away. So I, I went for that angle to at least give myself a chance to play. Unfortunately, um, on turn two, I went like one for seven on a phase two roll and lost the squad to his 11th act tank. And the game was over at that point because he just withdrew all of his models backwards behind two giant buildings that the AATs could hide behind and I couldn't win. So that was a shame. I actually conceded on turn two that game because there was no chance of winning. And like Luke said, uh, or sorry, I conceded at the very beginning of turn three. I just didn't have a chance to win because Luke said, I'm just going to pull my guys back. He had already tapped his vaps. I tapped mine and I just 
didn't have enough rounds to actually kill anything worth a full phase two. Yeah, you kind of like threw uh, you threw like a a few squads like up a building to try and like just like crit fish get a few lucky crits in. At that yeah, I, I like clambered up buildings, took unaimed Z six shots, and I was able to get like two wounds through. But then he yeah. took one off with the repair droid. <laughs> yeah, and then he immediately like shot one off the roof. Didn't he? Uh, yeah, like, and then he yeah, one just, yeah, then he one yeah. shot the one that was up there. So I lost yeah, a second unit. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went uh, like one for six on that next roll as well. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. So that was unfortunate. Um, but that was my one weakness. And Luke had a 26 point bid. And okay. if there's one takeaway that we learned from ACO, <laughs> um, Blue Player won every single cut game, except for the finale. Correct. And if you listen to Notorious Scoundrels this week, uh, Kyle did admit there is a little bit of a fluky dice swing on turn six where <sighs> maul saved six in a row and then a tank took six wounds in a turn yeah so all of a sudden like yeah that was the only was red player hard. win and kyle was yeah. uh also had like a 16 point bid with his list and was blue for all of his mm-hmm. and um there's a thing with that you need to bid if you're going to a tournament <laughs> and you want to win if you don't want to win you just want to have fun do whatever you want though yeah, but if you want, if you're if you're going with the intention of winning and playing meta, you're you're gonna need to bid because you're gonna run into something that does whatever it wants to do better than you can do it all around. Yeah, which is kind of a kind of a shitty thing to say, but it's starting to work out because Dallas is very similar to that as well. That's, that's funny. I thought Nick's uh Nick's if you don't want to bid comment was a snappy segue into me talking about my tournament experience uh, it was i think it can be <laughs> it was yes i was uh, actually wrapping up with that because my hey. my turnaround that maybe i'll edit in um is hey keegan i know you hate bidding <laughs> <laughs> and keegan got to play some in real and life keegan also had a tournament yeah. i did yeah uh I, I don't hate bidding i just like other things better <laughs> only nick didn't get to play in real life legion last week yeah Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was so excited uh, for, and, and got so jazzed up watching uh, from afar the, the ACO stuff that fortunately this past weekend on Saturday, uh, I we had uh, the first that I know of a uh, tournament in real life in the Bay Area since everything started or stopped last year. Um, up in uh, Tracy, California, at a, a store called Black Rowan Games, uh, Brett uh, some of you might know him on the Discord as Asire. Um, he TO'd, and I want to give a special shout-out to him for organizing and, and pushing and publicizing this thing, and then Christine and Noel, um, uh, who uh, own and run Black Rowan for setting up just a great, awesome event and hosting us up there. It was a lot of a lot of fun. was a little bit light turnout. Tracy's uh, a bit of a haul from the Bay Area proper, and I think Father's Day weekend and a couple other things, you know, first, first time out. But we got five of us out there for a tournament. Um, I learned some interesting things on uh, how tournament structure works with five people. For instance, uh, <laughs> if you have the first round by, like I did, uh, and then lose your second game, you're going to get the third round by. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand that, but I love it anyway. Does the math work for that? that was strength. <laughs> it was strength. I think it's the way strength of schedule sorted out. That's how it landed. So. Um, uh, or that's how it looked, uh, anyways, for us. But it was a it was a great great time. Uh, I did play. Uh, Brett was there to to fill in and, and play against uh, any by players, um, just so that you know we'd all ha- we'd all get games in. So, so I did get two what, games out of it. And what you're um, saying is is that you you went two and one. 
I did. Uh, I did. In fact, <laughs> in fact, at the start of the third round, when you know the the buy was already logged for the third round, I was I was actually second in the tournament uh, <laughs> going into the final Congratulations, round. Congratulations, <laughs> you did better than Mike did at ACO. Yeah. Uh, wow! <laughs> wow! Well, well, that was that was fleeting, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I did walk away with the last place prize. Uh, <laughs> I love you guys. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, this is this is a lot of fun. Um, I did get two great games in though. So the first one was against Brett. Uh, anyone who plays Brett knows he likes high activations, and he's been on droids for a long time. Um, so he was playing a Maul um, eleven activation droid list. Maul mostly naked B ones. I think there was a comms relay and a uh, and a HQ up like in there. Uh, there was a B two list with a tac droid and a heavy um, and the HA then uh, then a tac droid, and then he had three sabs uh two full full teams of sabs and one strike team of sabs um it's a list he's been running online in the app base i think for a little while and uh it was a lot of fun to play against he uh we played it on a table that had a lot of terrain from anyone who's played the kind of iconic bestman gardens uh both tts and real life tables would recognize this stuff and he had one of those curved walls that it's that really deep concave curve down in uh down in the corners um, and he infiltrated Maul. We, we did uh, evaporators, uh, uh, advanced positions, and I'm forgetting. The, oh, and supply drop. He infiltrated Maul in that curved thing in my corner of advanced positions, basically. So he was, you know, Maul striking distance to almost every part of my deployment zones uh, if he wanted to be. And, and also completely safe because of how deep that curve is. So. Um, caused me to split up my forces to, and do some wacky stuff. I was running my my Rogue One list, Jin, Cassian, uh, K2, two vets fully loaded, two Mark IIs, uh, Biston Paths fully loaded, and uh, Air Speeder, trying out the Hotshot pilot this time. Um, fun, fun game. We uh, he, he was super aggro with Maul, split me up. Uh, we moved it around. He grabbed my two safe objectives and then dove in and uh, started trying to cut up Cassian for a little while. Um, and it was only after uh, he killed Cassian while I had vets with a standby in range. Uh, uh, killed Cassian on top of a building. I had vets on a standby who shot Maul to death because uh, unlike some of the Mauls that you were describing at ACO, this Maul failed all four of his uh, defense die rolls on this attack. <laughs> uh, but he dropped two objectives on top of a building and with without enough turns, time left in the in the round for us to actually for me to actually get anyone on top of that building to grab <laughs> the objectives again. Uh, the center objective never got grabbed and then I sent uh, he'd put everything into it into kind of the full frontal on my forces up there uh, around that top corner uh, while sending one, his strike team of sabs off to grab um, one of his safe objectives. And we learned a really valuable lesson that uh, we all know that the T-47 is uh, quite great now. Uh, it is at its best when it's hunting strike teams. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, it. Uh, I got to zip that thing around. I did actually uh, miss having Wedge on there for some really great shot setups. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I did end up kind of out of position to come in and um, swoop back into the main fight. Uh, because of how I need to turn without that, but I did. I killed that strike team back there, uh, and we ended the game with no objectives claimed whatsoever <laughs> on either side. Going to that kill is, points. That is just bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. 
Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't Vaps. It was Recover the Supplies. Um, I was uh, uh, my second game was Vaps. Uh, so yeah, it was it was pretty. It was it was a lot of fun and and crazy. And it was just great. That was you know the first time I'd rolled real dice in a real game uh, in probably a year and a half. So it was it was awesome. Um, second game I played against another uh, kind of Greater Bay Area local Mark, uh, and he brought a uh, it was a Rebel Mirror, uh, but he brought this deliciously degenerate um double airspeeder triple ton wookie um and then two naked rebels and a naked fleet <laughs> wait list how many yeah, Wookiees it, did he have one 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 wookie with a bowcaster oh oh so three tons one yep. wookie two airspeeders three, three tons one wookie two airspeeders shriv in one of them and just the um uh just the harpoon on the other one Jesus. um yeah and it oh man that list is that list it's powerful. Um, we played Vaps uh, on a really interesting map um, that was a lot more open than it necessarily looked like, but it also it had these we had these like low bridges that were just high enough to be impassable um, for troopers. Um, and we did some really cool positioning uh, where we were basically it was disarray, Vaps, and limited biz. We were really probably we knew that we were gonna it was gonna be bloody, <laughs> just how how we positioned the maps uh, around each other. Um, this one, uh, he he made some deployment mistakes, and so his rebel troopers were uh, and and fleet troopers were kind of understaffed and in the in the firing line of my T forty seven. But then I also made a deployment mistake, and I put Jin kind of out on her own uh, on top of one of my VAPs to get very aggressively shot at by both T-47s and the Wookiees between rounds one and two. So I lost her pretty early. Cassian K2 cleared one of the, cleared the other one. So I got all my two down. I eliminated his, uh, I think my T-47 again, it, it loves hunting small weak units. Um, so I wiped one of the rebel troopers in the first round. Uh, I think I probably got, uh, the other the other rebels in the fleets by the end of round three um three or four and it was uh it, it ended with uh k2 making a desperate run eliminating the wookies and i needed one more action to get one more victory point tap the vap repair the vap one more time because the wookies had gotten in killed Jin and started to do some damage back onto mm-hmm. it uh and he got an airspeeder back around to uh take k2 down uh, just in time and k2 was the last possible unit which could score a vap left on the table <laughs> oh, it was it was an airspeeder uh my, my airspeeder um i guess he'd killed all my other troopers and then i killed everything except for his tauntauns uh like one of his tauntauns and his airspeeders so fun fun bloody game uh came down to the very last uh very last roll so so you've played a ton of Cassian K2 mm-hmm. in various lists, you know, yep. over the last, I guess, almost almost two years now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. How have they... So this is your first time with them on a real table. If it I is, actually. It, yeah, that's a good point. If I play at Dallas, um, I'm actually going to bring Jedi Luke, Cassian K2. Nice. How did you feel that they functioned with, like, actual terrain and, like, unlimited range with Cassian's sniper again did you find that he was a little more exposed was it easier to keep him back how did they play compared to like tts which is all all we've had up until now to play with them on yeah great question um so let's see i'll start with the second game first i really and i, I probably learned a little bit here I, I really liked how they played 
there. Um, through, I actually played him in short range config most of that game um, because I had the Tauntauns coming in fast. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, He's actually I, like uniquely good at killing them with his pistol. He, yeah, he is. And I, I had some fire support options and things like that too, um, which which I took advantage of. Um, so I, I, that second game was all about getting him and K2 both onto a VAP. Um, and I gave up uh, K2's, uh, is it inconspicuous? Uh, incognito. Incognito. I gave up his incognito um, pretty early just so that I could get the early taps on those VAPs and just clear that one out so that I could deal with everything else that was coming at me later. Um, I really liked how they played there. Um, on the first game, I had Cassian, like I said, up on a building in sniper config. And I think that was his shortcomings there were had a lot more to do with me just knocking a lot of rust off um, because I, I did... I did not appreciate and remember uh, as I was infiltrating Jin and Pathfinders and Cassian and uh, <laughs> how, how on an advanced positions board, how fast uh, BX saboteurs can move across the table <laughs> and, and engage uh, yeah, my friends. Especially with Scout 3. Yep, yep. So Scout 3 and they, oh, they had swords too. So they had charge uh, as Oof. well. So he he basically charged Jin uh, turn one, like opening round. Um, so she was, and, and he got five wounds on her. Now she did survive for a couple rounds, but Cassian was up on the, on that rooftop. Um, he took a shot at Maul. Um, he did do, he did do a little work chipping away at B2s. Um, and then he was kind of, he was kind of a, a lightning rod for Maul to tempt him to get into it. And, and then I was going to have to just try to deal with Maul while trying to get Cassian's cards out as fast as possible before he died. So, um, I, I really like playing them. Um, on on the tables, I think to your specific question about relative to TTS, I think generally there's a little less over-indexing on dense tables in real life, um, even in, in healthy ways. And so I think uh, that unlimited range performs quite well. Um, I was able to you know, so I, I, I should have early on, I should have taken a shot and sniped off the um, that strike team BX leader that I talked about instead of having to send my airspeeder to hunt all around. It would have it would have taken him an extra action to get back into position onto the box. Um, so, yeah, I think there was I think I like Cassian a lot uh, and K two a lot on real tables. I'm looking forward to playing some more of them. And then my follow up question to that to yeah. bring Nick back into the conversation as well. Um, we've all had Uh-oh. an opportunity. Yeah, Nick, unmute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're still here. Um, <laughs> We've all now had a chance to play against and two of us with Maul on real tables. How has deployment with Maul, when you're deploying and you're, we're going through turn zero and like setting up where our units are on these tables, as the style of terrain has just changed a little bit to more like blocky buildings and a little bit less area terrain, has that affected how you're deploying knowing that Maul can infiltrate? Because for me, in the one game that I played against Maul, he actually dropped Maul like the third or fourth unit that he put down and he kind of like hung him off to the side in in uh, advanced positions and scouted him behind a building and he almost put him in my deployment zone quite honestly but he yeah. was hidden so that i could like kind of expose my guys to take a shot at maul but then that would like instantly get maul dug in so i kind of hid down in the middle away from him so he actually zoned me really well with it and it was uh kind of difficult but how is that compared to 
like what you saw Keegan with uh with your mall deployment like is that did that feel pretty normal to you with the the online reps you've had with them or is it a little bit different with the the style of the buildings uh it felt a little more aggressive um and I, I wrote a lot off uh for for my experience for two reasons one it was a buy game um and i figured brett was just kind of having a little more fun than than what he might do necessarily competitively and two uh the bestman table started as tts table <laughs> so ah, that's true <laughs> um now that being said that that's an n of one if you're if you're seeing that as well i think that there is something to you know mall mall has some really cool impact when when played super aggressive i think he thematically is probably designed that way and i think um when the tables present themselves it's probably a lot it's probably pretty easy to see some good spots to just like get him in safe and really screw with it because uh as opposed like i said as opposed to your experience where he was the third or fourth unit down mall was the first unit down which means that um he got him he, he couldn't have put him there if, if he hadn't gone first because i would have deployed someone somewhere that would have blocked that spot out but he did that and then i had to decide whether i was going to completely congregate in one area and basically give up the center or if i was going to split my forces um to, and staying out of a mall range uh turn one attack but um but still dividing up my forces which my my army does not like uh doesn't like splitting off of a vet and a mark two to be on their own so yeah, we're, we're gonna talk about that a little bit yeah there's like you showed you showed me i saw pictures of mm-hmm. the uh, mall deployment yeah and it was super aggro but yeah. like the shape of that wall oh no it was like, perfect it was it was, it was a it was a perfect like and even <laughs> even with advanced even with advanced positions yeah. with the vets moving up one uh move one and then placing and moving the mark two i and with reposition i couldn't get a shot on him yeah uh, turn like, one um, pieces like that like just make infiltrating because it's like you're essentially like it's line of sight blocking for like 70 you know like yep. 108 or i'm sorry uh like uh 240 degrees what is it probably about yeah. that yeah yeah if you keep saying numbers eventually you're going to be right <laughs> right yeah my, my four-year-olds do math oh, in a very similar process nick <laughs> i'm not here for math <laughs> clearly that's why you judge <laughs> i just push buttons into the into the computer <laughs> yeah no it's um, it's it's, it's a yeah it, it was a really safe place so like i like yeah i, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I haven't played Maul yet. Um, but when he's right in there, so the best I could do was I could infiltrate Cassian with the sniper, and I could have taken a round one shot on him. But all that would have done is, assuming that Pierce you know, immune, I got through because I didn't have immune, uh, Pierce against Maul. Mm-hmm. I would have just given him a third action and let him be able to jump in and kill me somewhere. <laughs> so. Right. That's yeah. that's um, the interesting part that I kind of mentioned. Like if you do take that shot, now he's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you get lucky, you get like a Z six that's out there for six or seven hits, and he fails half of them. Or but, if you shoot a Z six at him and he he blocks all of them, yeah, <laughs> just happened before. And then he's sad because he doesn't have Juyo. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when he's got like a piece of terrain like that, it's really easy to just like uh, just throw him there because he's going to be safe from a lot. And if you like overcommit something and you don't overcommit everything. Like he's just gonna have an easy time killing something. Yeah, I think I think he really does turn some of the conventional wisdom mm-hmm. about infiltrate on its head. He's so um, interesting. He can, and and you, yeah. you you still don't want to put him out in the open in an aggro yeah. thing. But I, mm-hmm. if you can find a spot because you can't deploy, um, 
even if he's in a deployment zone, you can't deploy in base contact yeah. with him. So I can imagine like finding a spot where it's going to be pretty safe for most things in a deployment zone. And worst case scenario, someone's going to put something kind of close and hope to get in on him. But mm-hmm. you can still one pip him uh, and and do pretty well. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's scary. I uh, in in a good way. Um, my, you know, I've said it many times. My favorite thing about this game is the thematic alignment of gameplay with the units themselves, and I think I think he's great. In They've that, gotten so. so good at designing these units mm-hmm. in such mm-hmm. a way that, like, they actually feel like this is probably what that character felt like. Like, I feel like they nailed Anakin and Maul, yeah. and like, yeah, woe is Anakin that like he's not the most competitive piece, probably, but like he's a lot of fun to play. He's a ton like, of fun. I I definitely want to play more of him. Yeah. All right. Would you say that Maul makes you think about the game state a lot? Oh, I think I think he absolutely makes me think of how am I going to how am I going to win? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of important, right? I mean, it most is. of us play Legion in some yeah. fashion to win. Yeah, even you know, even when I'm playing fun, for fun. <laughs> yeah, even when I'm playing for fun, I still want to win. Yeah, you don't want to play this game for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, if you spend any time on Legion Discord. Um, there's a new segment called topic of the day and a couple of conversations that have come up in that topic have kind of revolved around the fact of, well, how do you win and how do you focus on getting there and how do you improve on your game state management, which are all valid questions, but they're also really hard to answer in Legion because Legion has all these, you know, infinite number of variables that you can do with your moves. You're not locked to a grid. Your opponent can do the same. There's dice variants for everything. And for our like abstract theoretical segment that has somehow wandered its way into our podcast over the last <laughs> couple of months, um, I thought we could talk about some strategies and some thoughts that we do when it actually comes to managing game state for Legion. Like, I have a very specific plan that I go through every time that we sit down to play a game, and I'm sure it's very similar to, Nick, what you and Keegan do as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun to quickly chat about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is great. And it's, I think having a plan, um, and we'll, we'll talk about the levels of specificity, but I think having a plan oh, is yes, one of the things that really separates um, the people who make top four at an event like ACO and the people the who, from the boys. And, and, and the people who find their way to uh, be bottom of the barrel and, and win the uh, uh, ignoble uh, Porg token uh, hey, at a local tournament. Wrong with that. Hey, hey, you still got just as many prizes as I did, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> but um yeah no it's it's a great question so you, you let's start with i'd love to hear your your systemic approach and especially how it applies to the list that you prefer to run sure and i'm going to start um i'm going to just rip off captain barbosa from pirates of the caribbean <laughs> these are very strictly guidelines yeah they're not rules <laughs> but it does help to have this kind of process in mind every time so After you have your list down, after the table's out, after the battle cards are finished, we're going to start from like the beginning of deployment and start into the beginning of turn one. But the first thing you need to know is what's your objective? Like, what are you actually trying to do? Mm -hmm. What, what is your primary way to win? And what is your secondary way to win? So I have a little draft of an article that's probably going to come out in like a week or so, but essentially it's going to be this conversation in word form. Let's take a game that I played against an Anakin list. Um, I played my Rexstar, it was my last warm-up, and I played against one of our locals who was running Anakin, a whole bunch of Phase 2s, and a couple Arc Snipers. And we played Hostage Exchange, so I'm glad that I got the practice in for it. (laughs) Five of my last six games have been Hostage. 
because I play a lot of clones. And anyway, what I did at that start is I sat down and said, all right, what is my primary objective? And in this case scenario, it was score my hostage, get him back safely and get him in the zone and hold him for the game. I was blue player and he did not have R2-D2. So I know my secondary objective is kill his hostage carrier. And that's kind of important to designate because I need to score my hostage to win. I don't have to kill his hostage carrier. You know, like, it's a nice to have. I can get up on Axe. I can deny him a victory point that he then needs to spend time getting back. But as blue player, I do not have to kill that. I just have to run away. And that becomes important for things like recover the supplies and moisture evaporators where your primary objectives are, I need to get three boxes or I need to get my two boxes or tap my vaps. I don't necessarily have to threaten his weak boxes or I don't have to threaten his vaps. And that should go into your game plan thinking. The second step that I do is you need to analyze the threats that are across the table. So I like to pick out my, like my primary, secondary, and tertiary threats. First threat across there, for me at least, is Anakin. He's got your biggest boom. He's got Relentless, Pierce 3, Saber Throw, all the shenanigans that you know get a lot of Pierce in the clones, which really hurts. He's also got Arc Snipers with Long Range Pierce and Phase 2s, which just bury you under dice. So what you should do for your third step then is say, how relevant are these threats? Like, you should rank them. Like, Anakin's really not going to be around until, like, turn two or three, depending on how aggro your opponent is, right? So you've got a little bit of time to prepare for that. Arc Snipers are there from turn zero. They've got long range, they've got Pierce, there's no limb viz. And then your phase twos are also around from, like, turn one to two, depending on if something like Clankers is on the other side of the table or if he gets super aggressive on a deployment. And that can work for, like, literally any setup. So, Keegan, we could probably go through, um, like, your first game with Brett. They kind of do like the same exact thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I, um, I mean, I can talk. I can talk a little bit about you know similar and different on on my approach. But I think at, at sure. the high level, that step by step kind of analysis and, and looking at what the key pieces uh, that you need to be focusing on, um, and then kind of locking those into your brain to remember those is is crucial to figuring out. You know, what what does what are the basic maybe not what the specific you know winning game state is but what do I need to be prioritizing and remembering throughout and where where are there strengths and, and weaknesses in my opponent's list to um, to exploit along the way to 100% aligned with that and that's important to take stock of like after every turn as well mm-hmm. like you don't want to be rigid yep. to that of you know Anakin is my biggest threat maybe he just sat behind the, the building for two turns Yep. And you spend all this time preparing for him, you know, and you're in a great spot. So when he comes around the corner, he's screwed. But yep. the phase twos have now crept up to the side and I'm going to get hit on the flank. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The the kind of rechecking each and, and arguably even more frequently than after every turn um, yeah. is almost is, after every move. <laughs> yeah. Is, is really important. Keep you probably, you know, you're going to ha- you have to keep consistent focus on what are the objectives of the game. Legion is. Um, while killing things has a huge advantage and is a crucial part of many things. Um, It is an objective-focused game, and I have, uh, even with relatively weaker lists, I have definitely spent too much time um, firing at and having a real impact on chipping away units, and then I just wasn't paying attention to how close I was or how far away I was from objective or how close to 
an objective my opponent was, and they just and they were paying a lot better attention. They just got it um, from me, um, and so that's I think that's a crucial piece of being able to bring yourself back and, and maintain focus on that uh, on what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Does that kind of uh, fit into how you like to approach your games? Like I know Nick, we've played at tournaments. Uh, I think just once, right? Just just yeah. Nova. But like you know, you've you've played a fair number of tournaments as well. Does that kind of fit into mm-hmm. your thinking process, or do you do something like completely different? Because <sighs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, like I'm not a major champion. There's definitely things that oh, I do incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not the yeah. be all end all. There's other strategies of out course. there. Uh, I would definitely say that like the last time I played in a tournament, um, not like you know, not including like Invader League or Yavin Base League or anything like that. But I definitely probably didn't have a game plan but I was always playing on like a more like casual level. Um, I remember specifically the last real life tournament I played in, I guess would have been um, the, the one at the one we did at a uh, red caps. Uh, uh, that RPQ. little, uh, was that an, I think it was still an RPQ back then. It was an RPQ. Yeah. Um, Cause the RPQs had the trophies and I have that. <laughs> you dick. Yeah, a little humble brag. <laughs> anyway, uh, I definitely like, I went into, like, I my first two games specifically, I remember I was playing, like, a triple ATRT rotary list with Leia, um, a bunch of Z6s. This was uh, pre, pre-Phase pre 2s and stuff like that, so we didn't, know, we didn't know that Rebel Z6s were actually not that great yet, I guess. Or They were um, great play- at the time. They were just about to be <laughs> eclipsed. Yeah. Um, I played against... My first two matches were against, like, very similar lists. They were playing Rebel lists with two Tauntauns, and an ATRT, and I was like, well, if he gets really aggressive with these Tauntauns, I'm going to, like, kill these Tauntauns, and then I probably win, because I'm just gonna, like, sit back here with my ATRTs and just shoot everything that comes near me. And sure enough, they the, AT, the, the Tauntauns tried to get around me, tried to get to my snipers, and my ATRTs just, like, you know, ripped them apart with the rotary blasters. Hmm. Um, so, I guess in that way, yes, I did have a game plan. Um, in, those, in those matches, I remember specifically going in, like, okay, I don't remember the exact the exact conditions and the exact objectives I played, but I definitely remember like, all right, well, if I can kill these Tauntauns before they get into me, like I'm going to kill them. And that's a very obvious thing. That's not exactly like, uh, (laughs) new, (laughs) new information, but I do specifically remember that. Um, I've gotten a lot better at like looking at like after turn zero, this is what, if I'm playing, uh, if I'm playing sabotage and moisture evaporators and I'm rem player, like I know that I probably have to kill something. Um, to win so i have to find something after deployment that like all right this is this is my this is my point of attack this is where i'm going after i get i have to make sure i get my vaps but i need to like i need to find an opening to kill something so one one thing that i do i you know i i I mentioned i chunk my decision making into into stages and so turn zero is is one of the biggest stages and and I can almost take that entirely separately. Um, The first part of that is looking at what their list is really understanding what their focus pieces are, what they're, they're going to be good at. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that I'm often a red, red player. (laughs) That's true. Um, Which means I I need to be able to think very quick, quickly about the objectives that are going to come out uh, and figure out what I, what I want to do and what I want to ban around. Um, Cause I think that last ban can be powerful. So the first thing that I'm looking for once the objectives flip, uh, after I've analyzed, the, or sorry, all the battle cards flip, um, once I've analyzed their list is, is that objective in the number three spot um, 
really great for him <laughs> or um or just kind of mediocre or not basically is it is it like his ideal is it a triple step list and his bombing run in the third spot or 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 something like that um uh is it rex star and a hostage in that third spot mm-hmm. uh if it is uh, it's probably a pretty safe assumption he's that the my opponent's going to spend their two bands to get to that optimal objective and i need to be looking and figuring out how to pos- how to set up um deployments and conditions in a way that either most favors me or more likely most disfavors him um so that's the first step if if the number three thing is not the optimal um objective then my next step is looking and trying to understand which scenario is the worst for my opponent um, and at that point, I will try to f- try to build a path to set up that uh, t- to disadvantage um, him or her the most uh, yep. in, in that objective. And that needs to be like the focus. Once that's set, uh, I think the, the biggest decisions on that is we talked about keeping an eye on the objective and how you do it. Um, Mike, I'm curious, and, and Nick, you, you play a little more traditional lists than me also, I think. <laughs> Um, how you set up deployment, how you set up your game plan. Are you, do you have kind of, while there's no grid like chess, do you kind of have a standard set of organization and deployment and formations that you, that you used for familiarity and, and confidence or, or. Yeah, I do. I do actually. Um, I'm glad that you kind of transitioned there before I was awkwardly <laughs> struggling to find a way to get to that, but there's got to be, you know, a practical way of doing what we're talking about. It's all well and good mm-hmm. to say, oh, well, I'm going to shift my shift my army this way or change my priorities X to Y, but yep. how, how do you do that? Yep. Um, so I've traditionally played a lot of gunline style lists. Um, I was Luke Leia Z6s into Luke Sabine for a time, but then it was Krennic Bosk and now I'm into clones. It's like, I like guns. I'm not an armor player. And one thing that I found has worked really well across all of these armies, um, and I played a lot of CIS on TTS as well back in the day, is to form almost like a crescent shape. Mm-hmm. So by crescent, I mean like a crescent moon or like a croissant kind of thing where you've got two forward-facing end flanks, and then everything kind of curves behind that so that your ends are further forward than the main body of your army, but that main body of your army is within a speed to move of being able to like move shoot. So like say for example, my endpoints are at range three from an opponent. That crescent shape behind me is slowly working its way back into range four and five, so that the two squads that are flanking the sides are like range four away, so they could move, shoot, and be in range three of the other team. Essentially it gives everyone that range one covering fire. So that nothing is ever exposed which is great so that even if something gets blown away, um, you know, I still have that flank that's right there and it's a little bit further back. So I have time to react. But the other good thing about that is not only does it give me the flexibility to cover my own units and present a constant threat, but you can also pivot your army really well. And it keeps everyone in range one for like coordinate with droids or token sharing range one for clones. And I found, I found that you can kind of use that to pivot the table so because everything's on this like curved axis, you can rotate all your army. So say, for example, your primary threat is an Anakin that's 
if our site let's take intercept and major offensive to make a nice easy like clear visual because mm-hmm. this is a podcast mm-hmm. if you say that they have their safe say their anakin is behind a piece of terrain that's like at their safe intercept point so like right at the corner of their deployment and you've got your crescent shape form so that when he comes towards you towards your like exposed panhandle of your major offensive he's in a great spot to to be shot you know you're all set up you're ready to go you can play some defense well if he decides to go the opposite direction you can actually move the bottom of your crescent up and pull the top part back and you can kind of just rotate like you're on a fulcrum and all of a sudden all of your angles are the same and it works really well for shifting objectives and shifting areas of the battlefield when variance goes a weird way and now there's a lost unit because nothing is ever exposed and um i found that that's the way that i'll set up most of my lines and you give yourself like the most way to to react especially if you're red player to somebody going or if you've got a lot of acts and you're playing a high act one and they do something unexpected you can mm-hmm. take those last couple of turns to reset everything yeah uh, it's gotten me to quite a few top cuts yeah Nick, do you have anything similar on how you approach them? No, uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like Nick I said, ran like head onto that with his tauntauns before. Uh, yeah, I did. You weren't playing clones then, though. No, it was Luke Sabine. Yeah, it was Luke Sabine. But yeah, uh, yeah, and like I had no game plan in that game for sure, <laughs> <laughs> and I lost. Uh, we can all talk about that every episode. Yeah. Nah, I just have to bring it up once a month. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so so one one of the things that I you know I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, I love I love how you have that kind of standard rhythm. We that we've talked a little bit and others have talked I, I know Kyle's talked about this on Scoundrels, about the kind of the, the type one, type two thinking. Um, you know, what what needs to be automatic for you, especially in a long, long day of tournaments, uh, which I mean I'd forgotten how tired i get in tournaments i played two games and i was wiped i was <laughs> i was jello by the end of that third I, one. yeah i yeah i joked helping some like mike and playing some practice games with some of the locals leading up to aco i'm like man i'm glad i'm not playing because i can't play more than two games in a day I'll die. yeah <laughs> yeah so so there's there's having that kind of that that muscle memory that that lizard brain response that that understanding of your list and a fairly simple approach maybe not simple maybe that's not the right word but straightforward you know understanding like how you described it of how your how your uh, army works to play it um is is a huge strength and huge advantage um however i do think that uh and i think that's also why we see gun lines so effective in tournaments um is yeah they're they're very easy to play they're almost mm -hmm. autopilot when you do it correctly yeah yeah um I, I do think that there are, I, I hope that there are listeners uh, out there who are like, well, okay, that's, that's all well and good for gun lines, but what about something else? Um, and so while I don't have any tournament wins <laughs> to, to champion over, uh, over this, over this approach, my list definitely are not gun lines. I run, you know, if I'm running rebel troopers, I've run more naked rebel troopers than anything else. Um, I do run bets uh, and mark twos a lot, but uh, that they don't necessarily move and facilitate themselves to the gun line approach, especially when I'm bringing the um, infiltrate units that I do. And so my my approach to this um, is is almost the opposite, um, because while you're setting up your gun line, what I'm looking for um, and, and what people who are running uh, these kinds of tricky lists that are that are looking for disruptions, I'm looking for 
um, perhaps a small mistake you've made or something you've left a little more exposed um, or an opportunity for one of my command cards or keywords that you you just can't plan around, um, especially with uh, the, the beginning uh, template that you're deploying with uh, to, to take advantage of it. So uh, I've, I'm running an Airspeeder and Gin and Pathfinders in my list right now. And so a lot of times what I'm looking for there, um, I'm probably holding the Airspeeder till the end. So I'm looking for those strike teams or those um, naked squads with white saves uh, that are kind of hanging out on their own that I can go out and try to get an activation, uh, uh, start to chip away at activation advantages. Um, I'm looking for um, opportunities if we're playing VAPs or Recover. I'm not actually looking at like the center box. Uh, I'm looking for your placement of, of your objectives um, to see if there's a place that I can do something um, crazy, but not too crazy. <laughs> um, e- even if my Pathfinders aren't going to survive and get away with a with a supplies box till the end of the game, if I can get in and grab one of your early, one of your safe boxes early, um, or if I can get in and throw a couple of wounds or recover a couple of wounds off of one of your safe apps that can really disrupt the action economy that you have. You, you might have to dedicate more um, forces to more actions to uh, and forces to, to those objectives that you were planning on or hoping to, and it, and it will disrupt that, that standard plan. So that's, that's, my approach uh, is is looking for those mistakes, looking for those opportunities. Um, the old the old Sun Tzu water flows in the gaps kind of thing. <laughs> so. Now I don't I don't have you know demonstrable tournament successes where that worked over the course of three or four games straight. <laughs> Clearly, in fact, most of my times I've lost them uh, round one as I'm warming up. But <laughs> one of these days. Yeah, the round round one. I think round two for me is always the hardest because like you get through the first round and then you're playing the second one and there's all this pressure of, all right, well, I can't waste the good start that I've had. Yeah. 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 My LVO uh, last time um, was a fantastic game against a great opponent. Um, first round we were on the stream and I was playing my gin and Sabine list and it was recover. And I had a great aggro setup um, on you know, pushing up. I had Jin and Sabine moving up on the center box early against the you know, Kratic Death Troopers back when they were solid before the clones. Uh, and I played Explosions, and I got greedy because uh, I wanted to leave two bombs in there for him chasing me. And so I, I armed, and then I ran away. Um, when If I had just taken advantage of Sabine's one pip, and cause she already had the box, and just Sabine gets a one pip, Sabine gets two speed three moves <laughs> with jump. Uh, and she's gone with that box, and I win the game. Um, so making those little mistakes, getting to, you know, recognizing not just where there's weaknesses and opportunities that you, you're able to exploit, but also what um, what really cool tricks that you have that you are just going to leave on the table um, unplayed uh, is, is another big, big thing to be thinking about. Um, because a lot of the command cards that aren't the straight gunline ones have... multiple really cool effects um but sometimes you only really need one of them to do what you want to do and if you try to get all of them you're gonna leave yourself in a worse position yeah knowing your own weaknesses is just as important Mm -hmm. if not more so than Mm -hmm. knowing that your opponent's weaknesses are yep i don't know if we've gone off field too much Uh, it kind of fits (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Now that we've basically talked everyone to death theoretically, I think it's about time to wrap that up. All right. Yeah. It's getting dark outside. It's uh, we're in the middle of a nasty storm, and my power's flickering. So, okay, <laughs> we'll get this time. uh, saved, downloaded, and uploaded before I lose that in about twenty minutes. <laughs> well, I'm really glad. I uh, thank you guys again for uh, adjusting the schedule so that I could be on. It's great to be back. Um, oh yeah, I hope you enjoyed your Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, I, I happy did. Father's Day. Thank you, and actually, Happy Father's Day to any of our listeners who have made it this far, who are in fact fathers or father figures. There's probably at least one other than Keegan. That's right. <laughs> And to any How I Met Your Mother fans, happy not a Father's Day to the rest of you. <laughs> I was to say, that's my favorite holiday. Every every Father's Day, I wake up and I don't have a card waiting for me. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> I did something right this year. Oh, man. <laughs> we are truly degenerate. We, 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 we like to bring diversity of opinions and perspectives on Legion 99. So We do. All right, everybody. Um, have a oh, wonderful one, la- one, one last call out for all our listeners. Uh, I, we've got uh, we had Tim on last month. We've got Timbo coming, and we've had some other special guests on Turn Zero lists. Uh, if you uh, want, if you want to talk about your lists, especially as you're getting out and playing in real life, I'd love to have you on. Uh, spend twenty minutes talking about uh, what you're doing with it and break it down. So call call for submissions. <laughs> yes, um, it's pretty easy to set up too. It's just like a quick 15, 20 minute. Um, yeah, essentially yeah, I, like, I, a, like a Zoom call without the audio or without the video. Yeah, I can do it with video too. Sometimes. <laughs> then I have to find a YouTube feed. <laughs> oh no, we don't record it. I just, yeah, anyways. Yeah, that, like, that's a little like too much in the weeds. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm. I. I love working <laughs> these one-off turn zero list episodes with y'all because because uh, we can be flexible, work around your your schedule, and and just get it in there, and and then you can hear yourself talk about uh, talk about your list. I love I love hearing people talk about lists that I haven't like played yeah. myself. It's a lot of fun. There's some really creative ones in here. I think we we certainly we try hard, but we can certainly suffer from the echo chamber of our own uh, our own. Oh, for sure, team and that really gets us out of that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I think um, when this drops on Tuesday, uh, so the very next day on Wednesday, we'll have Timbo's episode coming out. Awesome. And, um, that's going to be yeah. a fun one. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't. Uh, seen timbo's expertise in saber tanks he, he breaks down some fun stuff all right sorry i know that wasn't a show notes appreciate the uh, detour <laughs> oh yeah. yeah no worries we like to be flexible as well yeah but uh have a wonderful night everybody we'll talk to you in about a week and a half see ya bye